Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now today we're going to be talking about emphysema or COPD. We have Valerie Chang here from the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and we're going to talk about this condition because not only is it important for those people who have a history of cigarette smoking and some people with a genetic history of certain deficiencies that might occur at birth but not manifest till they're older, but now there's a new group of people who might be susceptible to this, and those are our friends, the vape. Vape is something that has been considered in the e-cigarette world to be something that might actually be a substitute for standard cigarettes because it doesn't have the same sort of toxins and things in a traditional burning combustible cigarette. But now we're finding that that's not so good for your lungs either. So here to tell us about what we know as the latest, plus also a conference where you can get more information, is Val Chang. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Kozak. This is a very exciting opportunity. Well, and you've given this conference several years in a row. Is this, how many years has it been? It's our 13th annual. 13th annual. I knew it was something quite a bit. And so you've basically educated thousands of people about COPD or emphysema. Yeah, and we're really excited because some of the neighbor island friends are having this Zoomed live so that they can listen as well. Big Island and Maui are both Zooming it live. Well, and then they get the opportunity to see live when they're, the conference is going on and maybe even participate with questions or get to see what some of the excellent information the speakers are going to provide. So you've educated thousands of folks. Educate us. The definition of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD. Well, it's really an umbrella term, and it involves emphysema, chronic asthma, and chronic bronchitis. Um, It's kind of the catch-all for all the things where people, when they take their optimal medication, they can't quite recover their lung function. So there are athletes that have asthma, and they can win gold medals as long as they take their medicines as scheduled and they, you know, try to avoid whatever triggers them. But people with COPD, it's like we're always struggling because we can't ever get all the air out of our lungs, so we can't ever get a good breath in. So we're always trying to breathe in half-filled lungs. And that makes it difficult. You know, people talk about trying to breathe through a straw, trying to breathe in and out through a straw. This is a condition that can really affect someone's daily functioning. I mean, if you can't get enough air to go up a flight of stairs or that gives you some problems when you're doing it, that affects your house, how many times you can go up and down if you happen to have a house that has two floors. It affects pretty much anything you would want to do in your daily life and activities. Yeah, and it makes people really reluctant to go out in public sometimes, um, especially if they're concerned about whether they have enough oxygen. Some people use supplemental oxygen, and they're not sure they'll have enough to complete their activities. And especially now with some of the Medicare changes, it's harder and harder for proper reimbursement and for patients to get all the oxygen they need. So it causes a lot of anxiety. 
Well, and that just makes you need more oxygen. Yeah. And it makes you stay in your house and not want to do all those activities outdoors or even just participate in daily things that everyone needs to do to keep themselves healthy and engaged and doing well. Or even going to the doctor's. Eat, or, that's, or running the errands, going to the right. store to buy groceries, all of that stuff. Yeah. Going to their doctor. I've had folks whose oxygen tanks empty when they come to see me. And, uh, you know, then we're like, okay, we've got to figure this out. And, you know, if we don't, we don't generally keep oxygen in our office, but we have to come up with a plan because they're here and we need to make sure they have their needs met. We've had people lose, run out of oxygen at our meetings or close to it. And so they use my supplemental oxygen until they can... They're getting ready to leave, and then they go back on their own supply because I, I don't want them to be worried about whether they're going to actually make it home with their oxygen or not. And it's it's, it's really worry. unfortunate. Yes, yeah, something that I think a lot of us don't recognize or realize. Yeah, and understand the the significance of it. And one of the things that people don't realize is that one in four of the people in the United States that have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease are never smokers. I mean, I'm one of them, and there are a lot of us. And in the developing world, it's like one in two because of outdoor and indoor air quality issues, especially in the developing world. A lot of women and children are in homes that are not well ventilated, and they're cooking right where the kids are. And so all the kids and women are developing really bad lung disease. It's very scary. Well, and air pollution is another issue. And then some of the cooktops that they're using are contributing to air pollution or just in general. The pollution in certain countries is such that there's a warning that gets put out. This is a bad air quality day and everybody puts on a mask. And the fires, all the fires that are burning everywhere worldwide. Definitely affects air quality, affects oxygenation, really has some major, major consequences for us. Now, you mentioned one in four people in the United States diagnosed with this who have never been a smoker. Correct. What are the classic symptoms that would make somebody get concerned and present to a provider, a physician, a, who and, and find out that they have this? What happened to you? Well, for me, it was because I kept waking every night having trouble breathing. And I've had asthma as a young child, so I knew what that was like. But this seemed a little different, and it seemed kind of worse. And so all my friends said, you know, we're going to keep harassing you until you find out from your doctor why this is happening. This is not normal, and you can't keep brushing it off because we're going to hound you. So I finally said, okay, I'm going for a physical. I went to ask my doctor, and he goes, well, you passed your physical, you're doing great. I'll see you in a year or six months or whatever. And, you know, you did good on your EKG and everything. So I said, yeah, but my friends are going to hound me until we figure out why I'm waking up because I'm breathless. And so he sent me to Queens and they had a pulmonary function lab where they do a breathing test. You just blow into the machine and in less than half an hour, you they get results that they send to your doctor and it's, you know, fairly painless and... It's fairly quick, and the insurance covers it. And my doctor says, oh, you need to see a lung specialist. Your lungs are not working as they should. So it was those symptoms of just waking up breathless at night and your friends who hounded you because, you know, had you gone to see him and he said everything's fine and you not had to answer to those friends of yours, then you might not have pursued it as, as quickly as you did. Yeah, it was really a good thing that I 
got the right treatment, and they gave me inhalers so I can live a full and active life. I That was 20 years ago, and despite predictions, I have not needed a lung transplant. I have not dropped dead. I am still functioning and actually running my nonprofit to help other people that are having breathing problems. Well, I have to say, I would not, if I passed you on the street, think that you had a serious breathing problem. Yeah, most people don't. <laughs> You've done a fabulous job trying to keep yourself healthy. Well, it's it's very fortunate that I've been able to get the proper um, supplemental oxygen so that I can stay active, and I wish that all patients could. And that's another important point. Oxygen is the only thing that has been shown to extend the life of people who are diagnosed with COPD or emphysema. Correct. Of any of the etiologies. Yes. And I fly with oxygen. I sleep with oxygen. I use oxygen to exercise. And because I do, I'm able to get develop cardiac fitness and stay as healthy as possible. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Val Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what she just mentioned. Can you exercise when you have this condition, and how can you do so safely? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Island Insurance, and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Valerie Chang. She's the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and we're talking today. This is going to be the 13th annual COPD Education Day, and something special about this year, it's going to be at the medical school, Val. No, no, no. It's going to have a medical school librarian talk. A medical school librarian They're coming to us. They're coming to you. So this is going to be a little different than the conferences you've had in the past, but always inspirational. And I've gone several times. There's going to be people who have the condition. And I'm curious, a medical librarian talk about what? Well, there is so much fake news. And part of the fake news is people promising miraculous cures and stem cells and all kind of things to make people say, Sure, I'll pay ten thousand, twenty thousand, whatever, whatever amount. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll mortgage my house. I'll do whatever it takes so I can breathe better. But the medical school librarians teach our medical students and teach anybody that's interested in how to tell real medical information from fake information, and that's so important these days with all the fake news floating around everywhere. It really is. I'll tell you, I always encourage some of the people that I see to go to the internet to look things up, but I tell them to target certain websites. Go to the Mayo Clinic website, go to the Harvard website, go to the Hopkins website, major medical centers that have information that's been vetted and written by professionals that are not getting paid by any other sort of pharmaceutical company or anyone else that are really writing factual information that's not trying to sell you a product or a service. Because that's one of the ways you can tell if something truly is 
is going to be hopefully factual and correct, is is the end of it, hey, would you like to buy my X, Y, or Z? If it's truly just medical information, you're going to find it on some of those major websites from those big medical centers that are throughout the mainland. And that's one way to vet it. But it's not the only way. So that's interesting. People are going to learn how to go through their internet search and find what's truly a good news source and what isn't. That's really exciting to me. And I've been to national conferences, and that's one of the things they've been trying to include in their patient information is how to sort through all the stuff that comes out, because there's just so much information, good and bad, on the internet. And we want people to be able to trust good information so that they can not ask, spend half their medical visit asking their doctor about stuff that's just really, really bad information. Well, and then asking why is it that we don't believe whatever they've heard and, you know, how come? And and I, I encourage people, if they do find something that sounds sort of too good to be true, to print it out, write it down, or kind of make a note of it so that we can discuss it during an appointment. But there's a lot of things that we need to discuss, and that may not be the primary focus. Good to know there's a way they could learn to filter that at home first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, and there is a lot of really good information, and there's a way to double-check that you know, if it's listed on the National Institutes of Health website, I would trust that. And if it's, you know, you go to another website to get a little more information about something that was listed there, I would trust that. But if it's just, I don't know, there are websites that we won't mention that really give a lot of false promises. And they ask patients to pay lots and lots of money to participate in what they call a clinical trial. But clinical trials never ask people to pay money. In fact, they usually offer to pay the patient a small amount, like travel amount or just a stipend to just thank them for helping. That's a really important point. Clinical trials don't ask people to pay to participate because that would make it not the most appropriate type of clinical trial. So another really good way to vet something is, Are they making you pay to participate in a trial? If so, keep a skeptical eye on that because that may not be the type of trial that you want to get involved in. You never know, but but do ask your doctor or your provider for some more information. Now, we know that a lot of COPD, a lot of, we'll call it the COPD emphysema, chronic bronchitis, component of it, maybe not a, not so much the chronic asthma, but a lot of the people who have those other conditions, they have started with smoking. And smoking is something that we know is not good for health. Are there people who have been diagnosed who are still smoking? And how can we get them to quit if we're finding out that, you know, e-cigarettes or vaping isn't so good? Well, there's 1-800-QUIT-NOW, and you can call any day, any time, and you can even ask to speak to a Hawaii um, worker, and they will help connect you with local resources that can help people quit. And they will give you free patches or gum, and they will also have a table at our education day. And so you can find out all their services. And if your loved one is smoking and you're trying to help them, they can help you support the person that is trying to quit as well. So that's another way that you can get help. So 1-800-QUIT-NOW, available Mm -hmm. anytime. Anytime, anywhere in the United States. Because if you have COPD, you should stop smoking. And you should be away from 
all sources of lung irritation, including smoke, including vaping, including those wonderful scented things that set people off, (laughs) fires, any of that stuff. Now, there's been a lot in the news about vaping. And there's, it's an emerging science. We're finding out more about what some of the negative effects are. And there have been actually some reports in the media about someone who's, who's died inexplicably from anything else. And they're finding that it might be tied to vaping. What do we know so far? Because I know that the story isn't over yet. There's still a lot of research that needs to be done because we're not really certain on the safety. But what's happened recently? Well, the thing is, the, the, Things that are regulated and called non-smoking or smoking cessation devices are FDA approved. They are vetted by the FDA. Their doses are carefully tolerated, I mean, um, titrated, and everyone knows exactly what's in it. And it's a medical, medically regulated industry. The stuff in e-juice is not regulated. It's not tested by the FDA, it's not tested by anyone. And so there can be contaminants, there can be preservatives, there can be all kinds of stabilizers and who knows what. And we're not sure. There's not enough information about what any of these hundreds of people that have been hospitalized took. And all we know is that lungs continue developing until people are 25 years old. So when people are very young, according to Dr. Min, who spoke on uh, Hawaii Public TV the other day, you know, it's, it's not clear what happens to developing lungs when they're exposed to chemicals and drugs and all kinds of things. They're supposed to develop normally, and when that's interrupted, it's, it's hard to say how that could possibly be good. Well, and we're now finding, because we haven't had experiences with these types of devices up until the last several years, that we're, now is when the information is coming out. Yeah. I mean, similar to when cigarettes were first established, we didn't know that, I mean, I remember seeing the, these these comical ads of doctors with cigarettes smoking, and I thought, wow, we really didn't have any idea. So it took several years for the full effect to actually be be made known. But then now we're seeing even faster that we're seeing these these vaping devices uh, expose people to some chemicals, and we're not even sure what it is, and it's not regulated. So now we're getting even a more uh, a quicker association with trouble. Well, one of the chemicals that is used that creates the butter flavor is one of the chemicals that was was found by NIOSH, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, to cause what's called popcorn lungs, where your lungs disappear from the bottom up. It's also called bronchiolitis obliterans, and it's one of the worst things that can happen, and there's really no cure other than a lung transplant. And that's that's one of the things that is a common ingredient in popcorn. And it's okay to eat, it's just not okay to inhale which is what happened to the people that were making buttered popcorn in the plants. And so there's a connection. There's a, chemicals there's are a problem. Yeah. So just because things are safe to eat, which is why they say they can put it in e-juice, does not mean it's safe to breathe and inhale on a regular basis. A very good point. 
Just because you can eat it doesn't mean you should inhale it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Valerie Chang from the Hawaii COPD Coalition. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of the exciting things that are going to occur when the 13th Annual Conference happens and what some of the other speakers might help to demonstrate or to show us that could really help educate the general population and medical professionals about COPD and different elements of what they can learn about how people get medical information and research. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Valerie Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And coming up Friday, September 13th, is COPD Education Day. Now, this is at Queen's Conference Center, 1301 Punchbowl. And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about how do you research good medical information and what is some of the information out there right now regarding the safety or lack thereof of some of the chemicals people are now breathing in using different things like e-cigarettes or vaping. So we're going to talk a little bit about why would some, what kind of education are they going to get? Would somebody be able to obtain if they were to come to the conference? I know one of the topics that you're going to talk about is, is exercise. And you mentioned that you're able to exercise because you've really worked hard to keep your COPD in check. Tai Chi is a form of exercise that might be helpful for people with deep breathing. There's other sorts of exercises that can help as well. How, how does having COPD affect activity? And are people going to learn a little bit about that at the event? Yeah, um, there will be several speakers that will talk about that. One of them is the Tai Chi uh, instructor. His name is Jerry Punzel, and he's going to talk about Tai Chi, and he's also going to do some exercises that all the attendees can participate in. Um, We're going to also have Ron Sanderson, who has been in the respiratory community for decades, and he's going to talk about what is COPD and answer basic questions. And then we're going to have Dr. Shannon Makakawa talk about um, the new developments of what's coming down the pike and what's what's new in COPD because there are um, advances where you don't need to cut open people's chests to improve their breathing. You can actually do uh, an insertion through their nose and help um, reduce some of the excess um, unusable space. unusable space in lungs and that's working pretty well on the mainland and they do it at Kaiser and they do it at Straub. So we're going to be hearing about some of the latest treatments because if you get that diagnosis, there are some things that can be done. Right. People start off often using inhalers and they do different types of treatments, lung exercises. I know our rehabilitation hospital has a pulmonary rehab program that helps people to improve their lung fitness, mm-hmm. just like they might improve their physical fitness after having a heart problem with cardiac rehab or even if they've had some sort of joint repair than other types of rehab. So that's another element is looking at how do you make your lungs stronger? Because if you have this condition, it doesn't mean the end of your life. It means that you have to target some of your efforts, but there are some things you can do. Right. And there's going to also be two pharmacists, Chad 
Kawakami and Nicholas Sai talking about COPD treatments, uh, the medications, and helping people one-on-one with using their inhalers as well as possible because study after study keeps showing more than half the patients are not using them properly. And so you're basically throwing away half of your medicine or more. So that's not really good. There's so, new combination inhalers too, which make it even more important to get the medicine in because now there's like a trio. So there used to be inhalers that just had two ingredients. There are some that now have three ingredients and you really want to get in that medication. They're also long acting so that if you're only using the inhaler once or maybe twice a day and you're not using it correctly, that becomes even more important because you're going to have a really hard time improving your lung function if you don't get the medicine in. Right. And then then there's Cindy Holloway, a medical school librarian, and also uh, Chris Anderson. And they're both going to also have a table so that you can ask all sorts of librarian questions to them, and they're going to be very happy to answer them. As all librarians are, you know, they're so helpful whenever you have a question. They've done, they've done their research. They know what's going on, and they also know how to help you to use those same skills to do your own research, too. That's correct. And actually... Nowadays, one of the biggest things is learning how to ask questions and how to come up with the right queries so that otherwise garbage in, garbage out. So if you ask a good query, you can get really good, rich information. And I know all about asking questions (laughs) that I get these weird answers to on any sort of internet search site. And I'm like, huh? And then I realize, okay, so I've got to really refine how do you put the information in. So I know I struggle with that. I'm certain that other people have a similar experience. So for those folks who want to learn more about COPD or have a loved one who has this condition, this is a great experience for them to be able to get that information in one place. And you mentioned it's actually going to be live conference Zoomed. I love the name of that service, Zoom, to two different areas. And if somebody lives in those locations, where is it? And how can people get more information? Um, It's going to be at all public libraries on Oahu that you can pick up the brochure. And it's also on our website, hawaiicopd.org. Hilo Medical Center is one of the locations that's going to have it live. And somewhere on Maui, I'm sorry, I can't remember offhand. And so also right here on Oahu. Oahu at um, the Queen's Conference Center, yes. So people who want to get more information is there, if they are internet savvy, they can go to our website. Go to your website. If they're not, some folks like to use the phone. How yes. can they? Well, they could call our phone number, but um, and that's 808-699-9839. Or they could go to our website, hawaiicopd.org. And if they go to the public library, they'll help them get on the website and they can go there. and Or they can pick up a hat. Uh, Physical brochure. It's at all public libraries. Well, and that's right, because the libraries also have internet service. So if you ever need to look something up, the librarians are really helpful, can kind of help kind of help guide you through that as well. Where would you like to see the treatment of COPD go in the future? I mean, certainly we'd love to eliminate it so nobody gets it. But given the fact that there is a diagnosis still out there and there are some ways that this can occur, are there, are there any thoughts of what would be your dream goal to seeing people who have COPD improve their lives? What would be the best thing you think could help them? I would like everyone to be able to have their preferred form of oxygen, which is 
often liquid oxygen or a portable concentrator that will meet their needs. Some people have really high flow needs and the concentrators are not appropriate. And some people just can't deal with the the intricacies of how to manipulate it and, and deal with the batteries and the, all the paraphernalia that goes with it. Um, I would like everyone to have ready access to a pulmonary rehab that works for them. I would like everyone to get the right inhalers and not have to fight to get the inhalers they need. I would like people to be on an exercise program that works for them so that they can continue to stay active and to work closely with their doctors. All right. Well, I said one thing. No way, Val. You're asked for five. <laughs> but that's part of what we enjoy, the, why we enjoy having you on. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. If you want more information, it is available. You can go to hawaiicopd.org and get some more information. Or I love the idea of going to the public libraries because that's an underutilized resource. And uh, that's certainly something that can help you get information, but also help you to just navigate the Internet and learn how to do correct searches for medical information. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week.